What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, older adults are being scammed out of their life savings at record rates. An Illinois system to protect seniors is failing. David Jackson with Injustice Watch spent months investigating this rising financial exploitation, and he tells us what we can do to protect the elders in our communities. It's Wednesday, August 23rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago is talking about. I'm here with senior investigative reporter David Jackson. Welcome back to CityCast. So great to be with you, Jacoby. Thank you. David, this might be a very obvious question, but why are elders so particularly vulnerable to financial exploitation? People we love who have lived many years, often, Jacoby, have saved up much more money uh, than, than those of us who are younger. They often uh, uh, rely on intuition as opposed to analysis to make financial decisions for the very obvious reason that they've lived many years. So there's a lot of trust and a lot of uh, going on instinct when making financial decisions. Finally, Jacoby, it's just pure demographics. Not only does America have more older adults, but more older adults are living without close family or relatives nearby. And that demographic wave is part of what's driving this crime wave. Mm. When we say financial exploitation, are we saying you know, our family members are being scammed or are we saying, you know, they they don't necessarily know all of the the mechanisms of how the financial institutions work today? Is it a combination of both or particularly they are being exploited by unnamed, unseen actor? The essence of this is that older people are losing their savings and whatever money they have to people who don't have a right to it. Now, when you look at who the perpetrators are, by and large, Jacoby, the number of perpetrators is biggest when you look at family members. I know that sounds shocking, and I know that sounds uncomfortable, but that's the truth. The biggest number of perpetrators are actually relatives and caregivers, close caregivers, who have intimate access. However, the biggest, biggest dollar amounts come from financial professionals and criminals who make a living out of this very easy target population, our seniors. What are some of the common ways that our elders are being exploited or conned out of money? Well, the family member examples generally have to do with stealing a social security check, for example, or having access to a bank account and then using that account for 
your own personal benefit. However, again, Jacoby, the biggest dollar amounts come from criminals and financial professionals. And those include one story we wrote about was about a vice president at Citibank who currently is accused in civil court proceedings of taking the money of her elderly clients at Citibank and using that money to invest in her own personal side deals. She has claimed that she is not guilty of any of those crimes. Man, I mean, when you were going through this investigation and you were listening to people tell these stories, was there, you know, an example that really just felt like egregious to you that you you just I can't believe that this went on for so long? Yeah, the one that 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 we led off with in our series was a gentleman named Paul Borick. He was a gardener, grew up born in the in the 1930s in Chicago. His father was a tanner, uh, and he lived in very modest circumstances. And as a young child, he fell in love with plants and gardens. And he went to work as a young man in in uh, gardening shops, and he became a gardener for the Park District. And 80 years later, when he was in his 80s, in the, in the 2010s, uh, he was approached at a gas station by a young woman, 27 years old, who uh, basically befriended him. She, she gave him a story saying she was an interior designer in the neighborhood looking for light fixtures and, you know, asked him out for coffee and the friendship developed. And then she told him, that she had cancer and she needed help. She needed money to for her cancer treatments. Well, Paul Boric ended up giving this 27-year-old woman tens of thousands of dollars. Now, the system that's put into place to protect people like Paul Boric kind of worked a little bit at first. Uh, uh, you know, police were contacted. This woman was uh, uh, arrested. She never paid back any of the $98,000 that authorities said she took. But yeah, 98000 But then the next thing, Jacoby, was, okay, case closed. That's done. Well, what do you know? Paul Borick is approached again by another woman at the grocery store. Then he's approached by a man who drives by his house and uh, uh, claims that he's going to put in uh, uh, a driveway and various house improvements. Feels like Paul was a mark now that the he was a mark. The community of scammers got together and and, and sort of knew uh, that that this was somebody that they could exploit. Yeah, Paul was an extremely generous uh, uh, person. He all he devoted his life to his own family until his retirement. And Yes, it, it, this was a community of scamsters. These people n knew their mark. They knew how to get in there. And scam A was caught. And uh, although none of the money was returned, she was arrested. Scams B, D, C. These none of those were were uh, uh, caught, and and there was no consequences because. By that point, police and state authorities basically gave up and they left it alone. Uh, you, you talked a lot about Paul. You know, it, it's his generosity is one of the things that they exploited. But when you look at elder populations, which groups are more vulnerable than others? Well, the demographic differences, Jacoby, are striking to me, but the data is limited. 
Let me explain this. We looked at 2,263 Chicago police reports of this crime since 2001. And we found that the cases and the reports of elder financial exploitation in Chicago were predominantly in historically uh, uh, middle-class Black communities. Burnside, Fuller Park, Avalon Park, Chatham, Morgan Park. Higher concentration of older Black individuals, higher concentration of homeowners. Exactly right. So people who got a little bit of money, but yeah. That's that's exactly it. And these, again, what we're looking at, what we're looking at, Jacoby, is people who are targeted and the scamsters who troll around those neighborhoods uh, uh, know that they can find somebody or believe they can find somebody and put their claws in and start extracting money. One of the other cases that really struck my heart was a woman named Tiny Kent. She lived in Chatham and she had uh, uh, basically a home and she was a retired secretary, administrative assistant for the Veterans Administration, a real modest, straight up person. And she's sitting out on her front porch one day and a, uh, a guy pulls up in a van and says, points out a problem with her roof and another problem with her house and says he can fix all this for very cheap. And what do you know? Soon enough, Tiny Kent is writing check after check after check. And this guy eventually walks her into her bank in Chicago on the south side to get more money. And luckily this time, an alert teller at the bank, the hairs stood up on the back of that teller's neck and the teller questions what's happening with the uh, transit transactions and why this man is with Tiny Kent. The alert teller calls the police and uh, Angelo Miller was arrested. He has not uh, been convicted of a crime and, and uh, his family members told us he was innocent. But we talked to Tiny Kent's uh, relatives who grew up in those neighborhoods and uh, they talked to us about how they saw in their own experiences this type of scam happening all throughout these neighborhoods. The police reports for elder financial exploitation are more prevalent in communities that are have a higher percentage of black residents and less pre- prevalent, even scarce in communities that are less than 10 percent black. Mm. I mean, do we know why things are, are picking up? Why are things getting worse? Are people just getting a little smarter about reporting it or? No, it seems things are getting worse. As one uh, uh, lawyer told us who, who does specializes in protecting elderly people. Uh, uh, the police have turned away these cases and so have state authorities because they're difficult to handle. You know, proving financial fraud is not like finding a, a bruise or a cut on somebody. It's very difficult. It involves pouring through financial records. The state authorities who are supposed to be investigating these cases and the police are losing ground year by year and day by day. Jacoby, we found in Chicago, uh, the number of reports that Chicago police are handling have resulted in one arrest in the last roughly three years. That's an incredible statistic to me. 
we looked at the state, and that's the first frontline protectors, the so-called Adult Protective Services Division of the state. And they went from having 19% of these cases verified 10 years ago to 5% last year. In other words, Jacoby, even as this crime is rocketing upwards, the enforcement efforts are essentially collapsing. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patients' smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. So many indicators point to the the number of uh, of uh, you know elderly members of our community on the rise. Why does it seem that the sort of institutions in place to protect them aren't sort of growing at the same capacity? Kobe, we did try to interview the top officials, including Governor Pritzker, who declined to talk to us. But we talked uh, to Brian Pastor, who is the manager of the Illinois Adult Protective Services Program, and uh, uh, Mr. Pastor told us that he thought that the uh, plummeting number of, of verified cases was what he called merely a fluctuation, a fluctuation. That was his term. When we asked him about specific cases, he thought, said that he thought that less evidence was being presented in each case. In other words, either the victims or uh, other people who were calling in these reports weren't presenting enough evidence. And finally, Jacoby, he said in an interview that his agency was barred by state law from investigating frauds by financial professionals and criminals, such as those, the, the crew that victimized Paul Boric. He said, quote, we don't do fraud, unquote. Wow. I mean, how does the APS go about protecting people? The front line of protecting adults in Illinois really comes down to this cadre of social service agencies that are hired by Mr. Pastor's agency, the Adult Protective Services Program. Illinois is an outlier among states, Jacoby, in not having its own uh, in-house staff but hiring out, contracting out this work. Only six states do it, uh, our investigation found. States like Arizona uh, have their own in-house staff that includes forensic accountants and law enforcement professionals. In Illinois, we contract out the work, and that saves a lot of money uh, to social service agencies. And um, those agencies basically 
are we talk to a lot of frontline investigators. This is very dangerous, difficult work, Jacoby. You can imagine you get a call to the state senior uh, abuse hotline saying uh, so-and-so is being financially exploited by her relatives, and you go to that house. Now, what are you walking into when you go into that house? It's sort of like being a DCFS investigator, a child welfare investigator, or investigating cases of, of domestic violence. If you're a Chicago cop and you walk up the flights of the stairs uh, where there's been an abuse report and knock on the door, you don't know who's behind that door. Are they going to have a gun? Is it going to be dangerous? Well, those Chicago police and those DCFS investigators are government workers who are trained and paid. And uh, the adult protective services cadre, these are social workers who are generally paid, our investigation found roughly half of what a DCFS worker is paid. They're not really trained to do financial exploitation, and they're often walking into very, very dangerous situations. So this is a, a case where Illinois has contracted out this difficult, dangerous work to a cadre of certainly well-meaning, uh, in my opinion, very noble and heroic uh, social social caseworkers um, who are doing the best they can with the equipment they have. I remember my grandmother uh, before she passed was dealing with early onset Alzheimer's and there was a while where she thought my mother was stealing from her. We all knew this was not the case. She'd say, my mom stole jewelry. You look in her room, the jewelry's right there. My mom's stealing money. You look at the money, the money's right there. And so I feel like there it, it is a situation where officials can also walk into scenarios and be gaslit out of thinking something wrong is happening here, that the the family has sort of, or the, the caretaker has such a, a strong story, a strong ability to sort of overtalk or supersede um, the, the, the individual and what they're saying, what their family is saying happened to them. Um, I mean, it does that play into it as well? That is exactly what happens in many of these cases. One of the things as a person ages, especially with uh, 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 financial literacy, but also with all of the, um, uh, as you called it, sort of degrading mental capacity that can happen to all of us as we age, it's inevitable, um, is that that we can create scenarios and uh, um, uh, uh, lose trust. And that does happen. I want to go back to DCFS or domestic violence. Same thing, right? In DCFS, if a child is being abused, child shows up at school and has a bruise and the teacher says, where'd you get that bruise? Generally, authorities are trained to uh, understand that and to go in and to verify the difference is huge with adult protective services. In adult protective services, if the older person says, I really don't want your help, I don't want intervention, then the case is closed. Very different. If a child shows up at, with a bruise at school and uh, and then says, I don't really feel comfortable about this, that there's still going to be an investigation and the authorities are going to try to get to the bottom of it. It sounds like this is a gap that's created in this contractor system. When you're contracting people out, maybe even on like smaller terms, like, you know, maybe they don't have the leeway to do, 
you know, so much of this follow up to be as invested in their individual cases? What are some of the other gaps this contract system have created? Well, you're exactly right. First of all, you're totally on point. Second one uh, that I would add to what you just said is even if somebody refuses services, can you still recover the assets that have been stolen from them? In other words, if somebody says, well, I don't want an investigation, but you know a crime happened, generally with other realms, Jacoby, you would still go out and reach out and get that money back because that's savings that the older person needs to to live and to live a good life and a comfortable life. And uh, the second one that that happens because of this contracted system in Illinois is if you had caseworkers who had the resources to invest anyway in these older adults, invest even when they initially wave off help, you would have a social worker who could Go around, canvas the neighborhood a little bit and find if anybody else knows this senior and might be able to check in. Are there distant relatives living in Nevada or in Georgia or in Utah or anywhere who might, again, telephonically or through the Internet or whatever, through emails, check in with that senior? The ability to build trusted relationships and to sustain trusted relationships is really what ultimately will protect seniors. While Illinois is trying to build a more accountable system, I listen to this and I just can't help but think about my own family members, my aunts and uncle and mom who's getting older. And, you know, what is that going to look like? So what are things that I can do as an individual to protect the people in my life who are getting older and thus more vulnerable to this I mean, the more you talk about it, extremely insidious financial exploitation. That's exactly the, 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 the key question. If you're an older person listening to this, for you personally, the key question is, do you have trusted people with whom you can talk openly about your finances? But if you're like Jacoby, a family member, a friend, then talking, the question is, can you develop the habit of asking the older person you love to tell their own financial story, to talk about their own situation, to summarize the status of their savings accounts, their goals, and their experiences. And there are a couple of other really important uh, things that we learned from experts, from elder justice advocates. Can you appoint a trusted contact for your uh, savings accounts and investments? A trusted contact is somebody you authorize that your bank or a financial institution can contact if there's money disappearing from your account. But that does not mean that they have signatory uh, authority, that they're able to make transactions. In other words, they can, can track it, bank- but they can't spend it. Exactly. Exactly. Jacoby, somebody you can trust who will be notified if something unusual starts happening with your bank accounts, but they're not able to make any of the transactions. And that often turns out to be uh, a really important protective tool. From so many of the stories you told, even if the scheme is complicated, it sounds like the point of entry are these basic interactions. You were on your porch, at the gas station, at the grocery store, I don't want to tell people to be more distrusting, right? What should we be advising people to look out for? Yeah, I, in writing this story, uh, really realized that I was 
sort of walking on the edge of a cliff where on the one hand, I could be scaring people unnecessarily. And on the other hand, I was trying to find ways with my journalism to protect people. And I think that that's uh, that question of well, how do you be alert without being paranoid is really, again, uh, a personal question that in my mind comes down to your ability to build relationships, build support net networks, and have people to talk to. Because ultimately, there's no easy way for me to say, well, it's really going to come through the internet, or it's going to come through a billboard, or it's going to come through somebody, one of these brazen con artists uh, who meets you face to face and con you. Because the reality is, all of those points of it's entry. It's coming from all are, sides. Yes. But I think the um, uh, the, the, the turn that the somersault, as I think of it, that needs to happen, Jacoby, is that we need to expand that thinking outside of our own individual family circles. And we need to look around uh, and uh, at the people in our neighborhoods, people in our communities, people we spot on the street, and just do that little act of kindness, that little act of attention. Hey, are you okay? And I think that that really is uh, uh, both for 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 the for the future of those people's lives and for our own ability as caretakers, uh, the only thing that we can do. I didn't think I was going to get this emotional towards the end of the conversation. Uh, but David, I really appreciate you making time. We'll drop links to David's investigation in the show notes. It's a multi-series, so make sure you check them out. David, we appreciate you for coming on CityCast. So great to be here with you, Jacoby. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Before I let you go, some good news. International Dog Day is this Saturday, and Chicago is showing up in Alpha Our Furry Friends. The Great American Dog Show begins Friday at the Airy Crown Theater in McCormick Place, and you could join one of Chicago's group dog walks along the river Saturday morning in the loop. Check the show notes for ticket links. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Subscribe to our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, at chicago.citycast.fm. And while you're there, check out our brand new website and let us know what you think at 773-780-0246 and leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. I know I snuck that last favor in there, but uh, please do it for me. I'm begging you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.